Uh, no joke, I legit had a kid sleep every day in my classroom and would look at my blank data sheets like, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> well, I've got the answers for you. Welcome to The Noodle Nook, a podcast for teachers where we break down the best tips, tricks, and tools to help teachers teaching students with complex access needs and significant disabilities, including autism. I'm your host, Io, and I help teachers create the classroom of their dreams with practical strategies and actionable steps that won't leave you feeling overwhelmed. In this episode, we're talking about some simple but potent strategies to help you deal with students who have autism and sleep in your classroom. So let's go ahead and get started. Yep, you heard me right. Every day I had a student who would sleep through most of the school day. I mean, practically all of it except for lunch and transitioning, really. <laughs> and when we tried to wake him up, things turned violent very quickly. So after a while, my team just accepted the fact that he was going to be asleep at school. But around his annual IEP meeting, I had this deep and intensive talk with his mom, and it turns out she was at her wit's end too, because she was dealing with her autistic son, who was up all through the night, like in the middle of the night, just rummaging through the house and getting into things. And she was sleep deprived, like she was dealing with a newborn. She was about to lose her job. She felt like she couldn't date. She was miserable. So we set out together to attack sleep routines and figure out how to tire out this kiddo who turned out to be quasi nocturnal, I guess. So that's where this all comes from is the journey that I took in tackling sleep routines for kids with autism from the classroom. All right, so to get started, there are a lot of factors that contribute to students or children with disabilities like autism not being able to sleep or kind of developing this nocturnal tendency. Specific to autism, a lot of times it just has to do with a difficulty like relaxing and winding down and managing all of the sensory processing issues and anxiety and possibly some ADHD and maybe medication side effects. I mean, there's a lot going on here, right? But what the where the story ends is that when a student has sleep challenges and they are effectively nocturnal, <laughs> it causes so much stress for the families, for the parents, and it causes a lot of stress in the classroom and further gaps in academic progress. So it's really something that we need to deal with in terms of teaching our students in the classroom, making sure they're getting good quality sleep at night. Now, as a teacher, that kind of sounds like, well, is that really in my job description? You know, my job is mostly daytime hours. How am I gonna control what a kid is doing at night at home in terms of having a good sleep routine and getting good quality sleep? And I'm here to tell you there are a few things that you can do to help. Because here's the thing about good quality sleep. It is absolutely essential <laughs> because it has such a huge impact on mental health, on behavior, on overall well-being, really. And studies have shown that when a, a child gets poor sleep, it really does exasperate their existing behaviors and symptoms of their disability, which can include things like hyperactivity, sensory sensitivity, anxiety, and irritability. And those are all words that I don't wanna hear in my classroom. I don't know about you, right? 
But on top of that, when a student is really not sleeping well at night, it's going to affect their ability to learn as well. It impacts their ability to concentrate, to have social interactions with others. I mean, really, it just makes it harder to achieve academically and socially and have a good overall well-being. So we really do want to promote good sleep hygiene for our students, for ourselves, and for their parents. Now, to get right into it, we all know what research says. It says that having a regular bedtime is really important for children, especially those with autism, because they do tend to have difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep. So they need a really consistent sleep routine. But in the classroom, we don't really have much control over setting a regular bedtime and helping a child go to bed at a regular time and with a regular routine. Now you can help draft this type of information for a parent and even send home some visuals to help them implement a sleep routine at home. But other than that, I'm not sure that there's too much you can do other than drive over to their house and tuck them into bed. And I don't think we're gonna be doing any part of that, right? Instead, think about how you can support a parent to go ahead and establish their good night and sleep routine and get that implemented and remind them how important it is to be consistent. And that includes limiting electronic devices when it gets to be bedtime. And part of the routine might be taking away the screen, the tablet, the phone, whatever it is that's giving that extra input, that extra sensory input for a, for a child, because that really does impact sleep. Now, there are a lot of ways that you can implement a sleep routine. And if you hop over to the Noodle Nook website and search for sleep, you will find the full blog post that gives you some examples of sleep routines and how parents can really implement those at home if you are supporting someone who's going through this process. So provide that resource to parents and give them that extra information that they need to help develop a healthy sleep habit for their child. Because we know that it takes cooperation to make all of this work, and we need our family's support as much as they need ours. So let's move on to what we can do in the classroom to help support students who uh, might not have the best sleep hygiene. And that really does start with adding physical activities to your classroom to tire out a child during the day. Because here's what happens. A student sleeps all day, and then when they go home, they're not sleepy because they just slept all day. So they're up and they're moving and they stay up all night. And when it's time to come to school, really, they're exhausted. They've been up for the last 18 hours, so of course they're tired. And they get to school and they fall asleep. And what we really wanna do is flip that. We wanna turn that on its end. We want to add physical activity to the classroom because adding that physical activity can actually improve sleep. It can help students to fall asleep faster at the end of the day, stay asleep longer, and honestly contribute to that healthy sleep hygiene. So with that said, how are we actually going to do this, right? How are we going to do it? Well, we've got a few points that we can, we can attack here. First one is we wanna add fine motor activities to our classroom because there is some research on a link between fine motor activities and sleep. Basically, the more fine motor activities that you can do during the day, 
it really does tire out your brain and and help you fall asleep and stay asleep a little bit better. So in the classroom, that means that getting students engaged and actively participating in things like coloring and drawing and painting are really helpful. Doing crafts, any kind of crafts that you can incorporate in the classroom, even hand knitting or hand crocheting can really help. Having students play with smaller objects like beads or blocks and do put in or pull out tasks can help be helpful. Or you can use manipulatives like Play-Doh Play or clay and have students manipulate and work with some fine motor tasks that way. And then don't forget things like my favorite, Lego, or building blocks within the classroom and puzzles that really do require students to be a little bit more engaged with their fine motor skills. These types of tasks are super easy to integrate into your classroom routine. And the added benefit is that a lot of them are very calming. And so when we do this kind of calming task and we teach students these calming techniques, our parents can incorporate them in their sleep routines if it's effective with that child. All right, so that was the first one. The second one was to start to incorporate some other things that actively promote sleep. And the first one is to make sure that you have a consistent routine in your classroom, like set times for activities, we know when transitions are, and we make our students move in those transitions. So there's a, there's a strategy here. <laughs> if you have a student who sleeps the entire time they're in the classroom and is never asked to move or do a state change, well, then they're getting some really good quality sleep. And we don't want our students to get good quality sleep. If they're gonna sleep in the classroom, we want it to be terrible. <laughs> so that means stirring or attempting to revive a student or wake them up periodically throughout the day. And that can be easily done with transitions according to a schedule. It kind of helps for a student to know that, hey, every 20 minutes I'm supposed to change my station or center and my teacher's gonna wake me up to make me move. Now, having done this strategy in the classroom, I can tell you one thing. The first few times you try this, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> but over time, it really does become predictable and routine. And because you're breaking this duration of solid good sleep, it helps a student to be more mindful of sleep and, and want to sleep when they get home. So really establish this consistent routine and try to wake the student periodically throughout the school day. The second thing is to really provide a lot of opportunities for physical activity. And when we talk about physical activity, we talk about not only movement breaks within the classroom or outdoor play times, because being outdoors and smelling that fresh air has been shown to improve quality of sleep, but it's also incorporating some heavy weight activities into the classroom. Remember, what we are trying to do is tire our student out during the day, so when they go home, they aren't fresh, right? They're a little exhausted. So incorporating heavy work activities can actually support students with, with autism in terms of really having them activate muscles and joints and also get a little bit of sensory feedback and tire them out before they go home. So you can incorporate things like carrying a heavy backpack or a weighted backpack, doing activities in the classroom that are a little more active and calisthenic base like push-ups or sit-ups you can give them stress balls or tactile objects to manipulate because it's hard to fall asleep while you're squeezing a stress ball if a child likes the sensory uh, piece of ripping paper or cardboard you can actually have a student rip cardboard and that can be very heavy weight in terms of uh, 
activating the hands. You can use resistant bands. You can have students move objects from one side of the classroom to the other, or push a heavy cart of books up to the library. What we're doing here is we are saying we want to activate the student and get them working those muscles, working their body to tire them out a little bit. Now keep in mind what is appropriate for the child, right? We are not gonna ask a five-year-old to push a 50-pound cart of books up a hill in the rain both ways. That's just not, that's not responsible. So really think about how you are going to appeal to the student's needs and sensory profile. And if you need the guidance of an occupational therapist or healthcare professional, please seek that out. All right, so the next thing to consider is really how you are controlling the stimulus and the environment in your classroom, right? Are you setting up just a Zen zone all day long where we're always quiet and the lights are always dim? Because if you are, you might be setting yourself up for failure. Because here's the hard and fast truth about sensory input. In the real world, it's really hard to control how much you're actually getting, right? I mean, sometimes we're getting a lot of sensory input and sometimes we're getting a low amount of sensory input. But most of the time, we're not controlling the exact amount of sensory input that we are getting, which means that we have to be able to cope in both of those environments. So that means back in the classroom, we should be changing up our sensory uh, setting periodically throughout the day. We should have kind of a rhythm of high sensory and low sensory happening all day long because that's gonna help our students learn to cope in all those situations. So if you have a classroom full of students who require very low sensory input, you should incorporate some times throughout the day where we have a little bit more sensory input and learn how to deal with that. Vice versa, we might, you might have students in your classroom who need a lot of sensory input. And we might have times throughout the day where we reduce all of the sensory stimuli and really work with a student on how to cope in those situations. Because what we're doing here is by having high and low sensory inputs throughout the day, we're really challenging a student and allowing them to mentally and physically tire themselves out by processing through these high and low sensory cycles. So really think about how you are arranging your environment in the classroom and contributing to that kind of sensory diet for a student. And then the last thing to think about is really activating your occupational therapist and their know-how and seeing if deep tissue techniques can support the student. It might be that they really benefit from a weighted blanket or a compression vest or even deep touch, depending on the child, Maybe the use of a therapy ball or uh, adaptive seating where they're sitting on a therapy ball and then really not allowed to sleep on those things. It's very difficult. I've tried. But when we have these kind of occupational therapist techniques incorporated into managing our students' activity throughout the day, we can find that we can actually provide them with a little more calm, <laughs> a little more sensory system stimulation that then results in a little more fatigue at the end of the school day. So really think about how you can use a combination of these things, not only strategies for you in the classroom, but also some of the things that an occupational therapist can offer and incorporating those all into a team approach with the families and parents of these students so that you can develop really good sleep habits 
and hopefully that will translate to fewer behaviors in the classroom. So I can tell you myself, we did incorporate physical activities. We did incorporate some deep tissue and deep pressure techniques with a weighted vest. And we also moved to an adaptive seat. It was a yoga ball seat that really helped to contribute to the inability of this student to sleep throughout the day. And we did constant cycles of interrupting sleep patterns by asking him to transition, to move between tasks, and to take part in the classroom. And what we found was he started to go home more tired. And because he was more tired, he didn't sleep all night long. He started to go to bed a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier. And over time, we were actually able to switch this nocturnal sun into a daylight walker. <laughs> he turned into an almost morning per person. And I say almost because, you know, it, it wasn't 100%. I'm not a morning person either, but we were able to keep him from sleeping quite so much in the classroom, which allowed us to get our data, do some really good instruction, and improve his overall life outcomes, really. So think about how you can work together with your team to develop a really solid bedtime routine and sleep hygiene protocol that will help your student get a decent night's sleep. Now, just as an extra reminder, if you find that you're really struggling here and you need something extra to make it all doable, then head over to noodlenook.net and search for sleep. You'll find the full post with even more tips on how to tire out a student in the classroom and some other ideas and strategies that you might implement with your team. If you are looking for the easiest way to supercharge your teaching game and tame those unruly behaviors, check out the behavior toolkit at noodlenook.net slash 3TSC. That's 3TSC. It's packed with just the right visual resources that you need, plus all the guides to help you out and help your team implement them effectively. You may also want to check out the Calm Down Corner kit that you can find in the Noodle Nook store because believe me, it helps. <laughs> all right, thanks for tuning in to the Noodle Nook, a podcast for teachers just like you. We need all the great teachers that we can get. So this is Io here reminding you to stay strong and teach on.